All right. Now let's go back to call. They'll finish that up. But I, I, I need extra time today. I'm trying to carve a few more minutes for me. I believe God's got something to speak to us today. You ever anticipate the word and to where you're hungry for the word and where nothing else will satisfy you really want the word of God? You don't want to be entertained. And I don't have time to tell jokes. But I am hungry and thirsty for the presence of God and for his word. And I hope that you are too. And I, with that in mind, let me pray for a moment. You pray for me. God, we thank you today for a few minutes to look into your word. And I pray today, word of God, speak. Speak. I need to hear your word. I need it to cut. I need a double-edged sword to cut through the junk that, in, that creeps into my thinking. Perhaps others would agree with me today where we don't want to be deceived. We don't want to have incorrect thinking. And so we ask, word of God, would you come and renew my mind today? Challenge me, bring me to my knees today. The word of God speak in this place today. We have assembled in your holy name, in a sacred gathering, believing that the presence of God will be here with us. Holy God, come and inhabit the praises of your people. Be with us as we worship through, not only through song and through giving, but also through time in your word today, God. Accomplish your holy and perfect will in my life and in everyone who would agree with me today by simply saying, amen, amen, amen. All right, guys, we started last week talking about what it is to be called, and we took that opportunity to do something very different. We had a table up here with a group of ladies who I honor because they have quietly been doing something that's not the most popular it's never up on the stage, it's not been amplified, but they have been about the process of making disciples. And they shared with, the, with you, um, and everybody shared just a little piece. We could have gone for a, a lot longer, but if you haven't seen it, I encourage you to be a part of that. But we talked about discipleship, and I want to bring back just for a moment and recap the funnel that we had last week. This is from uh, pastor and author Pete Scazzaro, pastored up in New York. But he, it's a great visual of what it is to have modern-day discipleship, where there's a, a great big funnel at the top. We encourage people to attend. We extend invitations. Uh, we encourage you to connect like we did today. We give you opportunities to serve like you may have seen on the QR code. And, and then we're making disciples. We are. And, and we baptize, and, and we do what we're supposed to do. And and I've been about that. It's been pretty much my story. And there's been a little bit of this on the right, which he calls Jesus strategy, where he pours deeply into three and 12 and sends out a 70 and there's 500 or close enough to be a witness to him and his resurrection. But you've got what I would call addition and there's multiplication. And I'm not a great math person, but I'll take both of these all day long. I like both, and I have energy and activities every day that are about addition 
And last week, I had a response from several men that said, hey, uh, I'll commit to start a group of my own. And so I'm, we met this past week, and, and we're, you know, I'd love to see what happened through the efforts of Jesus and those that knew him and witnessed his resurrection, and there was multiplication that impacted the world. I'd love to see it, love to participate in it. And so I'm about both sets of math, but that's what we're called to do. No one argue with me that we are called to go and make disciples. Let's be about the math. Okay. Today, and this is a series we're calling Called. Today I want to share with you from Matthew. Matthew was a follower of Jesus, lived in the first century, an outcast Jew because of his career. He was a tax collector. There were sinners, and then there were tax collectors. Special case of sinner. And so he, he was, nobody liked him. I mean, you, you already would have a, you, you, if you knew you had one here today, and they're corrupt, and then it's very hard to look at someone like Matthew that's, in, that's a tax collector and see them, you probably would not, not even knowingly, but you would see them as an impossible case. <laughs> and God specializes in some impossible cases. He really does. Changes some lives. And so I caution you today as we look into Matthew to think about someone. See, he had an encounter with Jesus and it changed his life. Anybody else? And he followed Christ for the rest of his life to the point that he was martyred around A.D. 65. About A.D. 60, he writes what we have in our hands, the book of Matthew. It's the most read book in the Bible, the most read document in the history of the world. For over 1,700 years, the early church used this as its like go-to document for discipleship. Rich, rich writing. And we're diving in there today. But I've got to set it up a little bit. I have this laid out, and even this morning, I, I just switched it up because I, I think the way the Lord's leading, I need, to, I need to share with you in a progression. And so I'm going to share with you, first of all, from 2 Corinthians to set this up today. This is the Apostle Paul. We are called, and this is what that call looks like in verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if, if anyone is in Christ, the new cre creature, creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. That's what it should look like. That's what it should look like to be a new creature, to be embracing this walk with Christ that we're not, he, he accepts us. Yes, come just as you are all day long. But the Spirit of God will not allow you to stay that way. It will get very uncomfortable. He will continually address things in your life. I'm about to be 42 years following Jesus. He's still wrecking me today because I still don't get things right. There's still things to work on. Please do not sit here today and think that you have arrived and you're on some plateau and you have learned and experienced everything there is. He's still making us, still working on us. The old is gone, the new has come. All this is from God, verse 18, who reconciled us 
to himself. How? Through Christ and gave us this. He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And so if you're a, if you're a follower of Christ, if anyone is in Christ, anyone here today? And then you've been given the ministry of what? Reconciliation. Reconciliation. Next verse. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are there for this, Christ ambassadors. Christ ambassadors. We represent him wherever we go. As though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. If you're not already reconciled, be reconciled to God, even today. But we are Christ's ambassadors as though God was making his appeal through us. That means that wherever you go, you're representing Christ. You're representing Christ in your marriage, in your children, as a parent, your neighbors. Are you a good neighbor? Are you a good ambassador at your place of work? Or are you just as sorry as everybody else? Pet us also. It's a question. Don't get hurt on me already. We've got a lot of ways to go today. But see, if you're Christ's ambassador in that workplace, even though you're not satisfied there and you don't want to stay there, it's not your five-year plan, you're still there as an employee that should be showing up early. Guys, we can't use mucho trafico every day. Okay? I know what happens, but not every day. As Christ's ambassador, what if we're the ones that show up early and we stay late and we look for things to do? We have initiative. We're Christ's ambassadors. We're ambassadors of reconciliation. And how often is it that we completely destroy our ability to be an ambassador in good standing because we totally blow our witness? You go out with the coworkers and you party like everybody else. There's no difference. You work out in the gym, on your fitness, and you destroy your witness. Because you don't watch your mouth and you mix in with everybody else. And you, you end up destroying what could be a wonderful witness. But I'm thinking about this for us. And as a kingdom ambassador, that's what this is. In Guatemala, I, I would see this church, okay, this church, we're like an embassy. We're a place where we equip you then to go out as the church and to be incredible ambassadors and witnesses in this, in this ministry of reconciliation that God has given every person in this room that's a follower of Jesus. If you are in Christ, then you are an ambassador of reconciliation. How are we doing? Because that means you don't need a microphone and you don't need a platform and you don't need a title. It is that everywhere that you go, you are an ambassador of reconciliation. 
See, the call that I responded to, and it was clear back in the 80s, early 80s, the call to follow Jesus, and I, I, I counted the cost because what was preached to me was deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. That what you thought you were going to do is now on the table. It is surrendered. You have the opportunity now. It's, it's to follow Jesus Christ. He died for you, and you put your life down to go see what life he has for you. Not your hopes and dreams. Not your best life now. I discovered, knew early on, no, my best life is the next life. My best life, your best life, it's the next life. Because that, that, that old version of you, it died. It died. You should know when that died. Because it's likely that you got down on your knees, you prayed, you poured your heart out before God, you knew that you were in rebellion, and you broke from that. God changed me. I'm sick of this. I'm tired of it. I can't go on with this. There's got to be more. Your word says there's more. I respond to, to the yes, Lord. I want to follow Jesus all the days of my life. Amen. Something like that. And so your best life is the next life. Yeah, you may, I, I'm not here to promise you today this, this great uh, you're going to have everything tangible. You're going to have everything in this life because my New Testament scripture tells me that people like Matthew, they died. They physically died. Now, he first spiritually died, and he, maybe he couldn't believe it, a Jesus that would extend an invitation to him to come follow him. Really? Me? Do you know who I am? Do you know what I do? That's a, that's a normal thought processes, but it so wrecked him that he followed Jesus all the days of his life to the point of being martyred. It's the next one. It's the next one. That's the setup today, guys, to Matthew chapter 9. Let me turn your attention to Matthew 9, verse 35. Jesus went through all the towns and villages teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask, and other versions will say earnestly, earnestly pray. This is NIV, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. I want to focus on these four verses this morning. And in light of being an ambassador of reconciliation, I want you to look at and consider what is your personal harvest field. I see mine as my home. <clears throat> First of all, my home. I, I, I'm responsible for 
a wife and children and now grandchildren. That's my home. And then there's my everything outside of that house. I have my workplace. It's those places that the Lord has given us influence over. Some would call it a sphere of influence. It's everywhere you go. Everywhere you go. And you see some of your students, and so you spend a lot of time in your school, and so that's your place of influence. That's where you are an ambassador of reconciliation. And you go different places. Others of you, it's your, your work, whatever that work is, consumes a lot of your time during the week. You're in traffic. You're in the grocery store. Some of you in the gym. You're in different places. Thank you. But that's your sphere of influence. That's your field of harvest. That's the places that God has given you and I. Your, your sphere's different than my, your neighbors. All of those places where we have some influence, where we are all ambassadors of reconciliation. That's, where, that's the harvest field. That's the picture that I see here in these verses. But let me tell you what Jesus has done and what he is doing. Go back to the first, the verse 35. Go, that's fine, modeled. I'm sorry, you're right, Rebecca, I'm off. Jesus modeled for his disciples. That's, what, that's what's going on in verse 35. Jesus is modeling. He's going to both towns, cities, where perhaps there's a bit more affluence, there's perhaps more income and things like that. He's also going to the village areas where it's likely there's more poor, there's not as many resources, but Jesus is modeling he's going to both. Important that we grasp that. We grasp that because here's the thing about this kingdom gospel that he is sharing, that it is for everybody. There is no one exempt. It crosses every socioeconomic barrier. There is no one who is too rich for the gospel. Scripture talks about a rich man that found that out the hard way and wanted just a drop of water. It's for everybody. But sometimes you talk to rich folks, people who have a lot, people who are managing a lot, and, they, and they're like, I, I don't need your God. Yes, you do. And you'll find out the hard way if you do not listen to his voice. You are not too rich for the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are a depraved humanity. We need Christ. There are those also that are poor. And sometimes that can be discouraging. But Jesus demonstrating that this gospel is for the poor as well. It's for the cities. It's for the villages. It is for everyone. He's modeling for his disciples. And he's teaching in their synagogues. He's he recognizing yeah. <clears throat> You know, I'm going in there out of respect. He respects, Jesus respects the sacred gatherings of the day. They're opening the scriptures, their worship. And so he's going to the synagogues and both the towns and the villages. They're opening the scriptures and Jesus modeling for his disciples what it is to go. And because everyone needs this, it's not about rich or poor, it is about righteousness righteousness, because you discover that 
as you explore this gospel invitation, is that our righteousness is but filthy rags. We are never going to earn it. We're never going to be good enough. You cannot buy it. But it is about righteousness. Not every good person goes to heaven, guys. Only those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ. Those are the ones who find eternity with God. That is the only way and the only path. And we're in a culture and in a day, though, where it is said and it is projected, well, they're in a better place. Well, not necessarily. They're in a better place if their faith is in Jesus Christ. Amen. It means that it is, it is important that you and I are taking seriously ambassadorship of reconciliation. The vessels, those who would say, I want to be the hand and the feet of Jesus. Amen. Then you're an ambassador of reconciliation who looks into your harvest field, who seeks to follow Jesus. That's what that looks like. Jesus modeling. He's preaching the good news of the kingdom. And he's, watch this, he's healing every disease and sickness. Every one of them. I don't care what you got. Jesus is healing. And he's, going, and he's doing it in the, in the towns and he's also doing it in the villages. He's modeling. But then verse 36 says, but when he saw the crowds, Jesus saw. Jesus saw. Get, just give me this. There you go. Jesus saw. Jesus saw. And we read that. But let me ask you today, what do you see? Jesus saw. He looked out. Jesus looks out and he sees the crowd. And scripture says he had compassion on them. It strikes me, and a reason, the reason I want to ask this question of you today is, what do you see? Because it's very easy today to see, you know, we, we've got a biblical lens, but then you look out there, and I'm asking you today, for have you possibly lost your compassion? Maybe once you had it. But maybe today you're not seeing with compassion. You're not looking out on the crowd. You're not looking out on those that are in your gym, those that are in your school, those that are in your workplace, those that are in your neighborhood. You're actually so gotten used to it, you're calloused a bit, you're no longer seeing them with the eyes of compassion. I can remember praying, praying, Lord, let, break our hearts for those things that break your heart. Anybody? How long has it been since we prayed a prayer like that? Because that's how you get to the point where you look out with your eyes and you begin to see what Jesus sees. And I'm so glad that when he looks out, and once I was in the crowd, and he looks out and his eyes fall on me, and he has compassion on me. And Matthew explains why. He says, because, in verse 36, they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. This is what Jesus sees. 
He sees people harassed. People that are under demonic influence. People who are under cultural influence. They're, they're harassed and they're also helpless because they don't know any way out. And it breaks his heart. He grieves because he looks out and it looks like a lost and dying world. Anybody? I look out in Guatemala City and I've even caught myself. You look around and you see these circumstances and you see it in the village and you see it in the city and you see a culture that has gone mad. They've lost their way. And it's so easy for you and I just to fall and, and drift into circumstances where we just, we just don't even give that much hope anymore. I'm not saying you say that. I'm not saying you, you really do that. I'm saying you take a deeper look at yourself for a moment. And are we operating like that? That we are not <clears throat> seeing the great possibilities that Jesus would see. Here's what I see. Jesus, he was grieved. He was self-aware. And I think that's what I'm asking you to do. You take a deep look at yourself today. Be self-aware. What is it you're thinking about? What has crept in? I thought about this week. You know, I've, I've so many say, you know, we start a business. Pastor, come and pray and bless my business. Uh, we were committing everything, putting God first, and, and that's a great way to start. And let me ask you, is your self-aware today? Is that where your business is today? You still honoring God with the first fruit? You still looking at your employees and seeing them with compassion? Seeing the mission of your business, not just as a numbers game, but as broken people in a broken world. And God, give me opportunity today to share good news with someone. And it's not just businesses. There's a lot of missions here today, a lot of mission leaders, a lot of missionaries. I'm asking you today, you once perhaps saw with eyes of compassion when you've gotten into this thing for so long and it's just become about the numbers. One more donor. and You're trying to get into a new network and trying to get a place of influence and, and gain some social media presence and, 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 and we've lost all compassion. It's a frustration for you. It's all about the numbers. And can we keep going? And what can we do next? And I'm asking a deep question. Business owner, missionary leader. Are we seeing the world through eyes of compassion? We have lost humanity. People all around us who will go and spend eternity in a devil's hell because they have not put their faith in Jesus Christ. You are that ambassador of reconciliation. It is up to you. I don't even know the person that's in your circle and in your, in your cubicles and in your, in your workspace. You are the ambassador. Like sheep without a shepherd. Sheep without a shepherd. 
I poked a hole here a few minutes ago about your best life. What I'm saying is there are a lot of churches, a lot of leaders today, a lot of pastors even, a lot of like to be called apostles even, and all kinds of different titles. And we've left people like sheep without a shepherd because they don't have a heart for people. They have a heart for fill the, fill the baskets. We need more resources because I'm special and it's about me. It's been corrupt. Jesus sees it. The religious leaders of the day, the scribes, the Pharisees, those entrusted to take care of the people, to help them. He sees them and Jesus says they're harassed, they're helpless, there's demonic influence, there's, there's strongholds, they're spiritually neglected by those that were entrusted to teach them. Israel's spiritual leaders filled the people with lies and man-made doctrines and lots of teachings and, and extra rules and the reality is the souls of the people are a complete mess. And I read that, and I look around the world and the sphere of influence that I have and consider my own uh, role as an ambassador of reconciliation. And, I, and I, I'm grieved. But see, this word, this scripture, this, these are directions of Jesus. This is not just to the pastor. Pastors need to be accountable. Yes. And churches need to be preaching truth. Yes. And it's going to have to be a time that we're bold again. Because that's why culture's gone mad, is the church has lost its voice. But guess what, guys? You are the church. It's not just me. This word isn't just for the pastor. The word is to his disciples. Who's a disciple? Any disciples here today? Any disciples here today? You're a follower, devout follower of Jesus Christ. You are a disciple. Then this word is for you today. Jesus says in verse 37, he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Ask the Lord. Ask the Lord. Other versions will say, uh, pray earnestly to the Lord. Pray earnestly. Dig deep. And I thought about this week, and I thought, you know what? I, I, I think a key element of this and a key element to our success as ambassadors of reconciliation could very well be our prayer life. The way that we ask, the way that we pray, the way that we conduct ourselves. Do we pray earnestly? Do we pray? See, to pray earnestly is with passion. It's to plead, it's to beg, it's to cry, to wail, to pray as long as needed. A mentor of mine, he used to pray. He said he would pray until he felt the Spirit release him, that it's going to be okay. Anybody in your circle? Anybody? Any, you ever heard something like that before? That means they, they pray fervently and they do not stop. They have not quit. Pastor Matthew Boyles, thank you. You may watch sometime, but that man, 
is a man on his knees. And he prayed fervently. He prayed fervently. When my wife and I had only had a history of miscarriages, four times we'd lost a baby. And she's pregnant a fifth time and began to bleed. And it's just, you know, that kind of history, that kind of experience in our natural senses, we just think, oh, it's going to repeat itself again. Our faith was so low, and he wanted to pray for us. And he called an all-night prayer meeting. And we went, and we prayed, and we were tired, and we were discouraged, and he continued to pray. And to my memory, about 2 o'clock in the morning, he, he called me the next morning. There were no text messages and no WhatsApp back then. And he, he, he said, it's going to be okay. What do you mean it's going to be okay? He said, I felt the Lord release me in prayer <laughs> about 2 o'clock in the morning, and it's going to be okay. <laughs> and sure enough, she delivered a nine-pound baby, my oldest child, a miracle. Don't tell me he won't do it. Don't tell me he's not a God of miracles. I've seen too many, <laughs> and I've wondered this week, but has it just sometimes we so discount and want to say, oh, God's quit doing miracles. He just doesn't do that any ma anymore. And it's reminded me, church, have we just forgotten how to pray for miracles? Have we forgotten how to ask? Maybe it's our sorry, pathetic prayer life that we don't see miracles. That we just read these prayers. And in reality, we have a lazy prayer life. It is lazy and pathetic and routine and inconsistent and dry it's all of those things, and, and we're not seeing miracles. And it's because at church we have lost the ability, or maybe we never had it in your lifetime, to pray fervently with passion and, and cry out to God and refuse to leave the altar until we see God deliver and bring deliverance and healing and, and what is needed in the hour. How, is it on us, church? Have we lost our way in terms of prayer? Jesus looks out, he sees, and he's filled with compassion, he's grieving. Sheep without a shepherd, lost people. I look out, and that's what, exactly what I see. And I'm afraid it comes right back to me, and it comes right back to you. We're in a day where everybody's about the platform, and give me a mic, and and really, in real simple terms, it is just meant to be you're an ambassador of reconciliation. Call to God to be an instrument in your home. And things aren't right. Your children have gone astray. You're, you, you know you've blown your, your coverage. You've blown your influence. And time for men and women of God to fall back on their knees and, and be bold enough and humble enough to just go and say, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Will you, will you talk to me again? Will you consider the things of God again? That's what Jesus sees. I can only imagine looking out and he, he looks and sees these, these spiritual leaders of the day. They've blown it. 
It's corrupt, it's awful, it's a mess, and that's what he's got to start with in, in terms of, of sh- opening the scriptures and sharing about the kingdom. And I've got people in my family, and you've got people in yours that, I'm talking close people, spouses, siblings, cousins, extended family, just, just right there for a moment, beyond the friendships, beyond the contacts, beyond the, the employees that you have, but just right here close. Those people, they've had a terrible experience in church. They've seen corruption. They've seen bad leadership. They've seen greed. They've seen this monotonous, dead prayer life on display, and they've given up on God. And darkness has won the victory for the moment. But God raising up a church, an end time remnant church that will be reminded again that we can pray and seek God with all fervor and fervently pray before God. God, give me victory in this area of my life. Let this, this addiction is over. I'm not walking in this anymore. I'm claiming my wayward child in the name of Jesus. That kind of prayer that we, will, we were broken and we will not get up, we will not enjoy a day until we see the hand of God move again. Amen. Earnestly praying. Earnestly praying. Paul talked about that in Colossians 4. Continue earnestly in prayer. Be vigilant in it. Do not stop. How long has it been... Paul says in Romans 8, 26, that the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't often know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. I don't have the words, but the Spirit of God, I'm not reading a prayer, but it's the Spirit of God rising within us. Where are those prayer warriors? Where are those people? Where are those people that the Spirit of God, we don't know the words, but but there's groanings, there's there's things happening. It's Spirit-led. See, and he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit. God, give us the mind of the Spirit today. Because the Spirit intercedes of the saints in accordance with God's will. We don't know God's will, but let the Holy Spirit rise and work through us and speak through us. It's about speaking the name of Jesus. We've got a bad habit, I think, church. A bad habit developing. We're good people. We, we mean well, but we've gotten a bad habit. And we just pray and we pray, Lord, uh, it, we pray all this in your name. I think it's a bad habit. Because we've been given authority, believers, to pray in the name of Jesus. At that name, every knee will bow, every tongue confess. It is the name of Jesus. That's what Scripture, if you just read Scripture about how to pray. See, Jesus told us in John 14, you ask anything in my name, and the Son may bring glory to the Father. You ask anything in my name, I will do it. And that day you will no longer ask me anything, John 16. My Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Up until now, you've not asked for anything in my name. Ask, and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. 
Because it's in the name of Jesus, church. Every demon, every sickness, every hindrance to the gospel has to bow to the authority of the name that is above all names. I read scripture and I don't know any other way to do it. But I see in Luke 10, Jesus sends out 72 and they come back. They come back and they say, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. But they spoke the name. They didn't just say, hey, we come to you in the name of uh, Avis Rental Car or in the name of Visa. No, we come in the name of Jesus. And they saw results. Matthew 16. Matthew 16. That uh, you, they place their hands on the sick people and they will get well. Those that believe. Those that, that, and, <clears throat> and then there's Acts 3, 6. Peter said, silver and gold I do not have. But what I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk. That demonstration, the power of God on display, you can't walk. I don't have anything else to give you, but rise and walk in the name of Jesus. In the name. In the name. In verse 16, by faith in the name of Jesus. This is Acts 3.16. The man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name. And the faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing to him, as you all can see. Acts 4, 8 through 13. Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, he's given an account, he's given uh, of what has happened. Rulers and elders of the people, if we're being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and are asked how he was healed, then know this. You and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. He is the stone the builders rejected, which has become the capstone. Salvation found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John, realized they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished and they took note that these men had been filled, had been with Jesus. They took note. These were ordinary, unschooled people. You get that? Disciples. You. You. Praying in the name of Jesus. Paul, Philippians 2.9. God exalted him to the highest place, gave him the name that is above every name. At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Guys, if you just read scripture, I don't know how, and you were to say, this is how we pray. Then we're not going to pray just you know, in, casually in your name. No, I'm going to speak to every darkness, every stronghold, every impossible situation and as a disciple looking out over a harvest field and looking into a ministry of reconciliation, I cannot do anything else but pray in the matchless name of Jesus, the name above all names. You must bow. Darkness broken, the will of a wayward child broken, coming home. I'm calling them home in the name of Jesus. I'm looking at sickness and disease and a Jesus who healed every one of them in the name of Jesus. I don't have anything else to give you but rise and walk in the name of Jesus. Oh.
We're going to sing today, guys, about the name of Jesus. We speak Jesus. We speak Jesus. We look over a harvest field. And I invite you today to look out. I want my musicians to come. Johnny, you guys come. You look at a harvest field. I grew up in Kentucky. We had a farm. There were a lot of times we just, depending upon, you know, the sun, the rain, did their job. And, and eventually, though, the word would go out, hey, we're, it's harvest time. And I can tell you, when it's harvest time, it's a ton of work. You better get ready to work. And we work after dark, and, and I didn't always know what, what had to be done, but they told me what to do, and, and I was pretty good at following instructions. But it was always work. And I invite you, as you look out today in your, your harvest field, your sphere of influence, your potential as an ambassador of reconciliation and it may look like it's really hard it's going to be hard because we do live in a world where it is they are they are harassed and helpless all around you and you're the ambassador called into those circumstances people sheep without a shelter without a shepherd hurt people They've given up on the Lord. They've given up on church. They've given up on everything. And you are the ambassador of reconciliation. I'm asking you, church, to be a church that's spirit-led, full of the Holy Spirit, and not afraid to speak the name of Jesus wherever you go. That you will, you will be a church that will rise above this mamby-pamby of, you know, in your name. No, no, in the name of Jesus, boldly, declaring, splitting the darkness. God, we're asking you to move. I'm asking you to be bold, church. I'm asking you to step into the darkness. I'm asking you to look at your harvest field. I'm asking today that we speak Jesus into those circumstances. Today, if you need help, you need something in your life, you need a, a miracle. We've sang about miracles. A God that never stops working. Maybe you need Jesus spoken into your circumstances. We have a prayer team here, Spanish and English. Let them, let them pray with you today. Others of you, you, you know what your circumstances are. You know what needs to happen, and you just need to speak the name of Jesus yourself. God, let's be, let's be a church that's bold, that's different, that accepts the call of God in your life. And I hope you'll see me next week. There's so much more to go on with the call of God in our life. But for today, it's about speaking the name of Jesus into your harvest field and where God has placed you. Let's stand, please. Lord, today we, we do speak the name of Jesus, trusting, Lord, that by your Spirit, you are manifest in this place today. And I pray wherever your word has gone forth today that you'll find a room full of people that will not harden their heart, but God, they will receive the word of the Lord. We're speaking the name of Jesus today over sickness and disease and broken situations and trusting the only name 
the only name that is worthy. Jesus, accomplish your will in this place today as we boldly declare your truth and boldly walk where you have called us to walk. Many in this room, they have spheres of influence. They have, they have harvest fields. It looks impossible. They have a, a loved one, and you've awakened them again. God, raise up a church that will pray earnestly. We won't quit. We won't fail. We won't fall. We're trusting in the name of Jesus. Have your way. Have your way.